Hello and welcome. It's Trucking Answers, the podcast. Did you know that? You do because you're listening. I'm Mark. I'm coming to you today through your eye holes as your podcast host, and I'm here with my very orange co-host, Gracie, who's currently in a deadlocked fight with this sofa. So we'll see how that turns out and if she comes back to have anything to say. Now, this podcast is in 41 countries currently. That's right. That's amazing, to be honest with you. So that's what it was before. I want to tell you, 83% of the downloads are on mobile devices, like a phone. The rest are on tablets, which they don't consider a mobile device. TVs, the web, everything else. That's pretty interesting. 17% are non-phones. I thought a lot of people would listen on their phone, like almost everyone. But that is not the case. So I find that quite fascinating. I don't know why. Just like pie charts, I think. I think because I like looking at the pie chart of it. All right. So today we're going to have a little bit of trucking news. We're going to have some automotive news where we talk tires and Ford Fairmonts. And we are going to have a reason why we do not live on Mars. Do you know Mars is close? You can see it sometimes in the night sky. Do you know we don't live there? Why is that? Because there's a bunch of stupid idiot people here that keep taking our tax money that could be used to let us live a life of luxury on Mars. That's right. I assume there are luxurious stores like Forever 21 and Hot Topic there. We could live there, but we don't because people here take up all of our energies. Now in trucking, as in in life, it takes action to make anything happen. And this has been a view of mine for forever, and I have an idea here for the new year, and there'll be more information in the coming week, but I wanted to put it out here on the podcast, maybe get some feedback feed cacks. I want some feed cacks. I want some feedback from podcast listeners and get that Gracie. What do you think about that? Right. She goes, yeah, not professional. All right. About an idea that I have, because here's the thing. When I see the news and all these organizations, they always go to talk to someone that's in an organization, even if it's sort of a scam organization or like not a real organization. And uh, you do see OIDA in the news a lot, not that they're a scam. They're a real organization, and that's why they get in the news. Do you know OIDA is also a member of the CBSA? But there are these other groups, like face, just people start a Facebook group. And so then they'll get some news coverage, and they get to kind of shape the politics of what's going on, even if their views are wacko, as they said on the strike. They're out there. All right. We can do the same thing here but we have to be ready to take action so here's what i envision the united federation of commercial drivers we start an organization coida i believe mostly even though they don't say it represents owner operators and there are less and less of those there's really no good organization for the rest of us there's no festivus for the rest of us well there could be it could be the United Federation of Commercial Drivers. And what I envision are actions that we could take collectively because we can change trucking. We can make it better, but it takes action. When I write to a news organization or to a place, sometimes I'll get a response, like on the toilet issues sometimes, but sometimes I'm just ignored because they they look it up like, oh, this is just one weirdo writing to me. Well, the reason that OIDA doesn't get ignored is because they have many thousands of dues-paying members. And what 
organizations know, the news knows, and everyone else is that people that pay, pay attention. And so they know that behind them, it isn't just them saying it, it's a spokesman saying it to everyone. Now, they've been formed for some time, but you know what? It has to start with someone that started with a small group of people in the early 70s. This can start with us. Things that are going on in trucking are ridiculous, many of them. Yes, we all know that. But changing it is difficult. No one is attempting to change it. If I write to a congressman, I just get a form letter back. But you know who they talk to? OIDA. They're on boards. They get to speak to secretaries of transportation. We can do the same thing. But we need people behind us. We, and that will take money. All right, it will. I envision billboards also. So a company does or says something, we'll put up a billboard in their town. How about that? Do you know you can have a billboard up in five minutes? These digital billboards, you can. That takes money. I envision going to companies and yelling at them through a bullhorn from their front door or out on the public uh, street as a type of protest, basically. And what happens is you call the news before you go there and the news shows up. This gets you on the news. PETA does this to great advantage. And, you could, and whether you agree with them or not, you have to admit the tactic works. It gets them in the news. That's what you need. And you then begin to shape what is going on. You get the attention of lawmakers, of anybody, really. Uh, White is not even pushing the minimum wage thing very hard. I think, you know, drivers should at least be paid as much as a teenager at Burger King. I don't think that's too much to ask of people. I really don't. And the United Federation of Commercial Drivers will have a driver's bill of rights. You know, and that's what would be expected of the industry. A driver's bill of rights. And that will be out here, you know, by the new year as well. And so, that will take money. That's right. That's right. I know, terrible. Always money. But these things do take money. And the more people that join, the better it will work. So, that will be out later this week. I'm envisioning individuals somewhere in the 30 to $50 a year range, and we'll take corporate sponsors as well. That will help out a lot. That's how OIDA does a lot of it. They also get ads, and so we'll work on getting ads, that kind of thing. The more people that get in, the better it works. The more corporate sponsors there'll be. The more places that would like to advertise, and then we can fund it through that through that but to start it it has to take somebody to start it i mean if we're unwilling to take any kind of action to make any change then i guess we really can't complain and yeah i know there are people saying well look mark i make 1800 or 2000 dollars a week and i'm on the road and that's really good well okay I th i'd say that's good money relative to what people make in the united states i really don't think it's that good of money for the time that you're away from your family you know although that's good money that is good money if you're gone for a week two weeks four weeks I just saw a job that said eight weeks out and then a week up, right? That's two months and you're gone for two months. So you leave now, you wouldn't be back home until March, all right, at this taping, basically. That's a long time to be gone. And I think that should be worth something. It should be worth something to a company. And I think companies should pay you if they ask you to do something. If you're doing something on behalf of a company, you should get paid for it because you're enriching them. And while something that you do may not directly make them money, the only reason that they have you do it is because they believe, they feel, they understand that their business model is that this thing needs to be done. So that's one of the tenets is that drivers should get paid when a company has them do something. No matter what it is, if it's something 
you should get paid to do it if it's for the benefit of the company. And we could know whether it's for the benefit of the company by the fact of would you otherwise do it? Like, do you go in and fuel trucks if you aren't, uh, you know, if you aren't at work? No, probably not. Okay, so, you know, just all I'm saying is things should pay. That's all I'm asking companies to do, among many other things, like no Greyhound, okay? Sending a professional on a Greyhound to then share a room with three other people is just preposterous at best. You know, companies are willing to spend money, as we found out on the uh, live show that goes every Monday at 1230 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube. You know, Visa Solutions, which is a company that brings people in from other countries to work in the United States, their offers from trucking companies are up 100%. Okay, the trucking companies are willing to bring people in rather than pay more money here, and that needs to be brought out. Okay, although there was a small article about that, that needs to be brought to the attention of the right lawmakers. That takes money to do. When you write in from a corporation, from some, well, from an organization that has a bunch of members, congressmen, newspapers, all they take notice of that. They'll take notice of it. So to make changes will take money and will take people joining. I think another way to join, which would make it maybe easier, would be to open memberships on the YouTube site. And part of the membership would be joining the organization. I think that's a way to split it up over the year. That might be a way to do it, too. I'll look into that this coming weekend as well. I have a long weekend coming up. So that will give me some time to do these kind of things. I do think there'll be a live show on New Year's as well for people that were wondering. So we'll probably do a live show on New Year's. Maybe I'll make an announcement there also. And it will also have its own video because people will need to understand more of what's going on. But I think... That's one thing that we can do. Now, I'm going to try that for a month. If I don't get any members or very few members, I'll just refund everybody's money and say, forget it. Okay, forget it. If this is not something people want, maybe it's just something I want. It's my dream that people get paid. I have a dream that people get paid. I have a dream that people are treated actually like a professional. No micromanagement. That will be another one of the tenants. No, we can't send the police to wake you up 15 minutes before you're supposed to get up because we're not going to micromanage you. So that kind of thing won't be allowed. Companies that do these kind of things, you know, will have to be brought to bear for it. You know, they'll have to answer for it. They won't just hear from us. With an organization, you can go to the news, to the press in that city and say, hey, you know what this place is doing? Go ask them about it and we can get the press on stuff. But it takes people you say look i have thousands of people behind me here go talk to this company about what they're doing that kind of thing matters it's a power in numbers kind of thing now this would not be a union would not be able to fight for people's pay at a certain company per se where we can go in and say you know we're going to pick it because that wouldn't be allowed uh you know where you strike a place other than people organizing themselves in the company but we can do informational things with the press, right? and that makes a lot of difference. Companies don't like to get a lot of bad press. You know, if they're starting a problem, you buy the billboard right by their company. and that So every, every student there sees this billboard. Isn't that something? Buy billboards, buy truck schools, okay? We'll buy every billboard by uh, near Driver Solutions. How about that? Stuff like that. I can see that in the future. You know, I'll walk around with a sandwich board and a bullhorn in front of a place and yell at, uh, you know, yell at them from a public place. This kind of thing could happen, but it does take funding. It does. So that's what I'll be asking. And uh, people will can, can choose to join or not. And if there isn't a big group of people that want to do it, 
that want to change the industry. Okay, I get it. I get it. Maybe it's just me. And then we'll close it up, fold up shop, and move on to the next thing. But that is my vision for the new year. And I think that's where we're going to go. So we'll see how it goes in the next week. Once I get everything up, where you'll be able to get joined. And believe me, look, beginning, you're not going to get like, oh, you're not going to get a bunch of t-shirts and stuff. Because we're just starting. We're just starting. But somebody has to start it. Somebody is, you know, the beginning of the upside down pyramid right at the bottom. And so somebody's got to get in and get it started. And that's that's what we're going to do. So there you go. So on the live show, we talked about over the road and local and hours that people work and local jobs that have a lot of hours. Mark, I and I get these letters too. Mark, I'm trying to find a local job, but they'll want you to work a lot of hours. And I'll tell you what, I could not agree more with people about this. If you're over the road and the definitions that companies use are really something. I saw a job posted that said local and it was home every other day and weekends. I don't consider that a local job. Okay, because they said it was local because you stayed within 300 miles of where you started. That's not how local works to me. So for this, local is someone that sleeps in their own bed in their own home every day. All right. And I consider an over the road job if you sleep in the truck as a regular thing. Now, I'll usually get a couple of nights in the truck in the winter, especially because I get stuck somewhere. I'll get out and it's just too dangerous to get back. I'm running in the middle of the night. They don't do good plowing. There's not much traffic. And so I'm like, forget this. And so I just park it. But that isn't a part of my job. I'm home every day. So an over the road driver, someone who regularly sleeps in their truck. All right. So that's how we're going to define this. And if you're over the road, it doesn't matter what you're hauling, how far you go, but if you're in over the road, I totally agree with people working as much as possible. You're away from your family. You're not going to see them at all, okay, because you're going to sleep in that truck. You might as well work the heck out of yourself to make the most money possible. Could not agree more. Love it. Love the idea. Let's get working. If you are local, whenever the time comes that you say, you know what, it's time for me to be a local driver. I want to go home. I want to see my family, whatever. I want to get home and volunteer or do whatever. You know, I want to have a regular life like a regular person. I think you should really not take a job that works 14 hours a day. I really don't. I think that's the that's the thing of local. Companies don't seem to realize that. And we have drivers here. Look, there's a driver here. I was thinking about it. He drives in from Danville, Illinois. I noticed his plates once. I'm like, dude, what are we doing? He's like, I live in Danville. I'm like, you're a complete idiot, is what I was thinking. And there's another driver that drives in from Logansport. And he's 54 miles each way on Indiana State Roads. And if they work a long day, they could have a 14-hour day. They could get into a 16-hour exemption here and then drive home an hour. <laughs> so now you're home 17 hours after you left. All right? That is not great. You're really tired, number one. You're really not making a lot of money commuting two hours a day. You're spending a ton of money on gas. They just had an article, by the way, that gas is going to go to $4 a gallon next year. So keep that's for regular. All right? So keep that in mind. That's just an aside. But there's really no point in working. If you work 14 hours, then go home. You're home. You only get eight. Uh, you know, you get 10 hours off, of course. But so you drive two-hour commute. That's eight hours left. And you're certainly going to be up some of that time. What's the point? What is the point of that? You might as well be on the road. You'd probably work less. Maybe get more sleep. Maybe one benefit of some local places is 
working the same schedule, which I strongly recommend to everyone that can do it. The weird schedules are very tough on you, very tough on you mentally, very tough on you physically, uh, through your health. Terrible. I have all maintained for many years that you should never set an alarm for work. Right? You should sleep until you get enough rest and you wake up without an alarm. If you need an alarm every day, you are not getting enough sleep. That's at home, at work, anywhere. Like today, I got up. It was like 1220. That's when I woke up. Okay, so now I'm up. All right, so that's how it works. I sleep until I wake up. And it doesn't matter. So if I go to bed later, I get up later. I don't set an alarm and still get up because I want to get enough sleep so that I'm awake and alert to drive. There's nothing worse than driving around tired. You shouldn't need 17 Red Bulls to stay awake every day. If you enjoy drinking them, I guess go ahead. I think they're some of the worst things on the planet, so I probably won't get sponsored by them. But personally, I tried one, found it to be quite horrible. I don't know, they sponsor a lot of stuff, but uh, this probably won't be one thing that they sponsor because I'm just not a fan of it. Either way, some of these local companies need to really cut down on the amount of miles that they do. We have a run that's 610 miles. I saw it on the paperwork once when I was in there because I scanned through the paperwork while I'm in there looking at all the different runs. 610 miles a day. I'm like, holy moly, there's another one with a bunch of stops. It's like 535 miles and five stops. It's scheduled for 14 hours a day right on the dot. If you get any problems, right, that you just don't make it, you get picked up. It's a total disaster, these long runs. I don't think it's worth doing a long run. And being a local driver, you're not really local if you don't get any time at home other than to sleep in your own bed, which I guess is some kind of an, of a benefit. You'd at least get to see your family for a few minutes before you had to go to bed. Over the road, yeah, run long days. Local, no. Local companies should really reconsider running drivers the maximum hours. Whenever I hear drivers writing to me, they'll say or say something to me, Mark, we should eliminate that so drivers can work more. I'm like, who the heck wants to work more? If you can't make a living, that's the other thing about local. If you got to work 14 hours a day to make a living, you are not being paid enough money. Okay, you just are not. That's way more than half of every day, right? And it's almost half the week. There's 168 total hours in seven days. If you work 70 of them, I mean, you're nearing half of the week you have to put in at work to do what? You're basically only off two days as it is, and you use those days to try to recuperate. Not a fan. I know there are drivers here that work these long days, and then they go home and still have stuff with their kids because they'll tell, oh, well, I have to go to a baseball, and then I have to go. I have to go do this with my kids and my kids got a meeting somewhere. I got to go do that. And then my other kids got, you know, Tai Chi classes and, you know, all these kind of things. Well, I'm like, when do you sleep? Oh, I'll get a few hours in before I come back to work. That's not a great plan. Number one, you're not going to live long doing that. It isn't good for you as you get older and you're going to get into an accident. That little bit of sleep you should have gotten isn't really good. So I'm just not a fan of people doing that. It's really something to think about when you become local. Really quiz a place on how many hours you're going to work. If you're going to start working 14 hours a day, what's the point? What the heck is the point of doing that? Yeah, it might pay less. Less hours pay less. I make less than a lot of people on here. I do. Also yesterday, okay, I had seven hours, three minutes because I noticed it on the log. That's how much I worked last night. Seven hours, three minutes. Okay, that was my whole day at work.
So that puts me like seven hours and 15 minutes because my commute is so short. That's how much time I was away from home. That's a local job. Okay, that is a local job so that you have your time off to be with what's important. Family, right? We're just coming out of Christmas. I was at a house packed full of people, 20-some people at some point, 25 people, nieces, nephews, everybody, brothers, uh, brother-in-law, sister-in-law, everybody up there, right? A blast, right? That's when I'm looking around. I'm thinking, you know, this is the point. This is the point. Work is not the point. Work is not the solution to, uh, to anything other than, I guess, needing money. But the point of life is all of those people. Those people are the people that are going to be there for you, not work. Okay, they're the ones that help you out, that are there, you know, in the good times and, and the bad times. And so it was great seeing them. And we already have plans for the spring to go back, do a big loop <laughs> because I got a brother-in-law in Ohio. So we're going to do a big loop around and do that kind of stuff. I mean, that's what it matters. And you can only do that when you have a reasonable hour job. So I'm just not a fan of long jobs. I suppose if you want to, I mean, it's certainly the United States. You can do whatever you want. But I just think that working 14 hours local is you know, barely local the only reason it's local is because you're home every day you're much better off being over the road maybe you might make more although local jobs now are paying pretty good indianapolis right now 27 to 32 dollars an hour plus overtime for local jobs depends where you live if you still live in an east armpit i know there's several listeners that do live there uh, in east armpit it doesn't pay as good over there so you may have to move so that could be another consideration but really don't if you live in east armpit and want to commute to the big city uh, you know, to, uh, you know, regular armpit, you you got to really consider that commute, gas money, maintenance on your car, all that kind of stuff. That's all part of the time. I figure that all into the time for how much you're being paid. Because when you leave the house, I think that's work. If you're going to work, that's part of work. So if you got to go an hour, two hours to work, um, I would really, 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 really reconsider that. So we talked about this a little bit on the live show, which goes on Monday, 12.30 p.m. Oh, did I say that already? Uh-oh, shameless plug. Okay, so <laughs> years ago, I had a Ford Fairmont. This was a 1978 Ford Fairmont. This is my Fairmont story. I've been a big Ford fan. I like this car. I bought it at a used car lot for $400. By the way, that is not the least amount I've ever paid for a car. That is $200. All right, so this was double that. This was an ex-government car. I don't exactly know what it did, but it had the moon hubcaps on steelies. It was light, like robin egg blue bench seat, so the whole vinyl. The whole seat moved when I moved up. You moved up, too, if you're on the other side of it, four-door. It had the 3.3 200 straight six, okay? So uh, that was a common engine then for Ford, ran great. No issues with it, really. It had a heat problem in the wintertime. So I had a piece of cardboard that I would put in front of the grill. You couldn't really see it. It was really right in front of the radiator behind the grill on the outside of the car. And depending on the temperature, I'd open or close it. <laughs> Myself, I would move the piece of cardboard to let more or less air in. And that got me some heat. I probably should have changed the thermostat. That was probably the issue. But I just never did it. And at that point, I was living in Hammond <clears throat> on Webb Street. And I commuted into Chicago. I cannot remember what I was doing then. I don't remember if I was doing containers to Lafayette, which is somewhat ironic. Or, I don't know, if that was Frito. Was I at Frito at that time? 
I don't remember. I do remember this coming into to get in the car one morning and I go to put my key in and there's nothing. I'm like, what? It's dark, of course. Now, this is, I was working days, but I had to leave at like three in the morning, get through traffic. And and I turn on my cell phone light and I go, wait a minute. This hasn't been invented yet. So it disappeared. So I went in and got a flashlight to look around. The whole steering column has been peeled. OK, the steering column has been peeled. And it's all broken up and everything, and there's no more ignition place for your key. But I'm looking at the spot. I go back in and get a slotted screwdriver and put it in there and turn it, and the car starts. I'm like, oh, well, brilliant. All right, so I go to work. There's all this stuff hanging there. And when I come home that night, I just take the coil wire with me. For The coil used to, a wire went from a coil to the distributor. If there's no... Uh, energy going down that wire, the car will not start. It'll crank, but won't won't start. Because now, anybody with a screwdriver could start the car, not just me. All right, so, but they'll never get it started if they don't have a coil wire. Probably thieves don't carry, like, different coil wires with them. That's what I figured. All right, so, did that, and I took the rest of the steering column apart so that all these pieces weren't hanging down. It looked like I stole it because somebody had tried to steal it and it wasn't too long after that that I decided to move you know from my hometown of Hammond Indiana I just couldn't take it there was just no point of living in a place where somebody's going to steal a $400 car I didn't think I'm like what is the idea of this why is somebody trying to take this I guess because thieves are just people of opportunity rather than working so I drove around the state and ended up here in Lafayette, and I've been here ever since. So this must have been, you know, in the early 90s right in there when I moved down here. I just couldn't do it anymore. That car ran good, though. I liked that car. It ran good. It didn't look like much. It had an AM radio with a single speaker in the dashboard. It did not have air conditioning. It did have power steering, though. It did have that. It was slow. And it was three-speed automatic with a shifter on the column. And it seems like it had really frost, but then thinking about it, I've been thinking and I thought, you know, I don't think it did. I think it defrosted just from the heat of the inside of the car. I had many cars without really frost, and I think that was one of them, that it didn't even have that in it. But the thing ran okay. You know, it leaked a little bit of oil and stuff because it had 80 or 90,000 miles on it. And so, otherwise, it ran all right. I used to drive that car up into Chicago every day, drove it all around, even in the winter, you know, which is another, uh, another thing that people have griped about. You know, uh, oh, is this car going to be okay in the winter? I only have front drive. Am I okay in the winter? Yeah, okay. If you can't drive in the winter, it's a you problem. Cars, I used to drive that thing into Chicago in the wintertime. And it was rear drive and light, way lighter than today's cars. You know, I had some really small cars that I used to drive in the wintertime. Whatever I could get my hands on. It doesn't matter what the car is. It matters do you get traction and do you know what you're doing. That's what matters, not the car itself. And, and what kind of tires do you have, right? So we had a discussion about this. There's four different kinds of tires, basically, in, in made. There's summer tires, otherwise called three-season tires. Okay, so you'd spring, summer, fall, then they come off. There are all-season tires, which I don't really like. They come on most cars sold in the United States. They're not really great at anything, they're just a compromise to get people to buy them, and they labeled them all season, and people love them. Oh, I love my all season tires. Not really, they're not really good. The next set of tires are all weather tires. These are more winter rated tires. An all weather tire has to have the three mountain peak snowflake symbol on it. That is a winter rating. 
It has different compounds to keep it soft, but an all-weather tire can be used year-round on your vehicle. Now, this tire is going to reduce your fuel mileage. That's the, the, why they're not put on cars yet, I don't think. And then there are dedicated winter tires like I have on my Sonic, which I have Firestone Winter Force tires. They are a dedicated winter tire. They're made for winter. They really reduce your fuel mileage, I will say that. They've cut me about 15% in the car because of the traction that they have and how soft they are but they stay soft all winter i highly recommend if you get any kind of winter you use winter tires many many countries around the world require winter tires they don't in the united states other than a couple of places in maine that i could find and when you see signs for chains generally it says chains winter rated tire has a three mountain peak snowflake symbol on the tire it stays soft it has silicones and everything in it please get a winter tire if you are anywhere and somebody said well you know the tire monitoring the tpms sensor on there goes uh you know it doesn't work that's because you change rims i put the winter tires on my on the rim on my car i just mounted it on there and so the tire monitoring sensors are fine. They only last 8 to 10 years, by the way. If you are in a car about that age or older, your tire pressure monitoring sensors are going to go bad and they have to be replaced. And they run about $150 for four tires. It seems like maybe $200. That's a lot. If you can live with the light, you can actually get a thing that turns the light off on the dashboard and just check your tires yourself rather than doing the tire pressure monitoring system on an older car. It's up to you. Depends if it's still under warranty for some reason. That might cover it. Uh, I don't know if I would change them now. The battery just goes out in them, and it's not like you can just change the battery, so it doesn't work that way. Always, probably in the Escape, we'll get Michelin Cross Climates next. I've seen those. They also have Firestone Weather Ready tires. Those are winter-based tires, but they're called all-weather tires, so they're way better in the snow. Not as good as a winter tire, but way better than and all season at about 40 they all season start to get hard at zero they are rock solid tires sit your car out overnight at zero degrees those tires are rock solid all seasons they are useless in the snow where you can still push on these winter tires that i have it does make a huge huge difference and i would encourage everyone to go try to find winter tires now i know tires are hard to come by right now i got mine a tire rack i like the place I think that's a good way to go. Go to Tire Rack, see what they've got available. I don't know what they have right now. It's probably pretty hard to get tires. That's what I would do with it. We also talked about stop-start technology and vehicles. So a lot of new vehicles, many of them, in fact, have start-stop, where the vehicle, depending on certain factors, when you come to a red light or a stop sign, will turn off the engine completely. And then when you take your foot off the brake, it restarts the engine without you doing anything. And an astute viewer suggested that this is um, required by law. So after some research, it is not required by law, which I didn't think. Many manufacturers use this technology to increase the rated fuel mileage of their vehicles to meet CAFE, Corporate Average Fuel Economy Standards. But it is not required by law in the United States. It may be in some other countries, depending if you're listening to me you know, from Uzbekistan or wherever you are. But here in the U.S., it is not a requirement to have start-stop. In fact, about 98% of cars have it. So that's pretty interesting. Most cars do have it. It's not a legal requirement. So you can disable it with a button. 
You can run in sport mode. That generally disables it in cars. There are technologies that you can plug into the computer to turn it off. Sometimes there's a fuse to turn it off. There's different ways to do it. It is not a legal requirement yet in the United States like so many other things are. I'm surprised it isn't. And it doesn't generally get much fuel mileage gain. Usually you'll see one when the cars go to it from not having it, one mile per gallon. But that's a lot if you sell a lot of cars and you are a large manufacturer. So it's just not required yet by law here in the United States. We've come to that point in our journey when we talk about a reason why we're not on Mars. Now, there are many reasons because there are many stupid people here. Here today, we go to St. Louis, where a fine gentleman was recently arrested for a marijuana possession and a shotgun and pistol in his possession, which he did not have legally. So... That uh, sent him stewing, apparently. He got out and was awaiting trial on that. And he's sitting in his cinder block basement apartment on his metal folding chair with a card table with no television and a light hanging from a string. And he's just stewing about this. You see, he's gone back several times to the police department to request his weapons be returned to him, only to be rebuffed by them saying something to the effect of no and so he didn't like that at all so this genius who's unemployed posts an ad on craigslist he says you know what i'm gonna do i can scam some free wi-fi from the neighbors here on my phone which has no minutes on it and i'm gonna post an ad and so he does and he says wanted all police officers at the police department killed one million dollars each to whoever does it how about that that'll teach them well it turns out someone saw the ad and contacted the police department they in fact did not go kill all the officers they told the police officers about it so one of the police officers contacted this person and set up a meeting that's right. They set up a meeting, and guess who shows up? Well, that's right. He actually leaves his dank, uh, moldy apartment and goes out into the world, meets this person, and talks about it, agrees to the deal, and is promptly arrested again. Here's the thing. Do not put things in writing that you do not want to be used against you. This is a real problem. Because now they're going to go get the IP address, which went back to his phone. It's all a real disaster. You know, when you're arrested for what would probably be not too big of a crime, you cannot threaten or ask someone else to commit a bunch of murders for you for $1 million each. There's also no indication of how he was going to pay this money. I guess he would just have them all killed and then go scam out on the money. The problem is, if someone actually did that, and they went to you and you didn't pay them, I think you'd probably be next because I don't know how many police department, how many officers there are in St. Louis, a lot. So this would be a large amount of money you'd owe and somebody wouldn't probably be happy. If they were willing to kill every police officer, they're probably also willing to kill you. Keep that in mind. You have to know who you're dealing with when you make business decisions. When you're making big moves like this, like this somebody's making all these moves in society. Another genius that we're going to have to put up probably for quite a few years 
He's going to miss all of his Mensa meetings. He may have to go in on video for them. And we can't go to Mars and live a life of happiness because of this idiot. All right. So I want to thank everybody for listening today. Please consider what I've said and send me an email, mark at truckinganswersnation.com. More information as we go. Podcasts every Tuesday, Friday, weather permitting through the winter time. So far, we're doing good on it. So that's how it will work. And we will see you on YouTube, everywhere else. Be safe out there, and thanks for listening.